If you've ever attended a Mizzou sporting event, or maybe even watched one on television, you know what comes next. And it's easy to conclude that there is no love lost between Mizzou students and the University of Kansas. The intense and direct vulgarity that fills the interlude of Mr. Brightside is a product of 150 years of animosity, competition, and bloodshed. And this is shared between Kansas and Missouri. My name is Jeffrey Dean, and I'm actually from North Carolina. As a Mizzou student, I have been told that I'm supposed to hate Kansas for three years now. But I never knew why. Now I am in pursuit of the answer. This series will seek to understand the roots of this unbridled hate, the moments that define the athletic rivalry, and why, even though Missouri borders eight states, they hate Kansas most of all. One of the best ways to understand this complex and layered relationship is to first lay out what the two athletic programs are currently. Bitter rivals. Perhaps not as bitter as they once were all the way back in the Big Six, or even the Big 8, or more recently, the Big 12. But if the recent renewal of their men's basketball matchups have demonstrated anything, it's that these two fan bases do not forget. Rivalry, as we think about it, is an example of, of an in-group and an out-group that is particularly strong. And it's even more than just being a, a team we don't like. It's a, a team or an outgroup that really represents um, a threat to your in-group. That's Dr. Matt Katz. He's an associate professor in the Department of Sport Management at the University of Massachusetts. His research focuses on sport consumer behavior and trying to understand why fans behave the way that they do. For Missouri and Kansas fans, that threat to an in-group identity has real historical roots and is part of the reason that they have one of the most contentious rivalries in college sports. Unlike most rivalries in college athletics, the ancestors of Jayhawk and Tiger fans spilled the blood of one another. Perhaps they were part of the original Kansas Jayhawkers or Missouri Tigers. Like most rivalries, Mizzou and Kansas have a complicated relationship, with many factors contributing to their rivalry. This is pretty typical among rivals, though. Here's Dr. Katz again. Something that's really interesting is depending on the rivalry you're looking at and also maybe the setting or the context, these can be very different. And so, you know, when I think Kansas, Missouri, I immediately think geography, right? That is a rivalry sort of about geography. Historians would agree. And so would fans of each of the teams. No rivalry, spelled K-N-O-W, is a project of which Dr. Katz is a part of. It seeks to understand the antecedents to rivalry, why rivalries exist, and how fans feel about their rivals. According to No Rivalries data, spatial proximity was the number one reason for dislike for both Missouri fans about Kansas and Kansas fans about Missouri. The number two reason for dislike, both ways, was conspicuous moments, which is something that will crop up again in a major way 
during this series. Conspicuous moments are defined by no rivalry as, quote, a specific incident, positive or negative, between competitors, unquote. Missouri's uniquely intense rivalry with Kansas has endured despite Missouri trying to create new rivalries with opponents in their new conference. Since joining the SEC in 2012, Missouri has had to reconstruct its rivalry landscape, and starting in 2014, Missouri and Arkansas started up the battle line rivalry, specifically in football. However, this rivalry has failed to draw the same amount of fervor that the border war showdown between Missouri and Kansas used to draw when the two schools were both in the Big 12. Missouri men's basketball has a brag and rights rivalry with the University of Illinois. The brag and rights showdown is played in St. Louis, a city right on the border between the states of Missouri and Illinois. The showdown, however, has only filled more than 80% of the seats three times in the last 10 years. This pales in comparison to attendance at Mizzou vs. Kansas men's basketball games. There has not been a recorded empty seat at a Mizzou vs. Kansas men's basketball game played in Lawrence, where the University of Kansas is, or Columbia, where the University of Missouri is, during my lifetime. The last time there was not a recorded sellout for a border showdown men's basketball game was March 3rd, 2002. At the time, Mizzou basketball still played in the Hearn Center. This has since been converted into the home of Mizzou volleyball, wrestling, and gymnastics. Even after the men's basketball rivalry was dormant for almost a decade, so far, both of the games in the renewed series between the two schools have been sold out. The University of Iowa is one program that on paper would make a good fit to be Missouri's rival if not for the conference alignment issues. It shares a lot of the same characteristics of history and geography that Kansas does, just to a lesser extent. Like Kansas, the state of Iowa shares a lengthy border with Missouri. The University of Iowa, with its campus in Iowa City, is the second closest Power 5 program to the University of Missouri by car, second only to the University of Kansas. It also has some of the same historical conflict antecedents to rivalry that Kansas has with Missouri. Dr. Sean Rost is an assistant director of research at the State Historical Society of Missouri. Here he is talking about the historical border conflict that Iowa and Missouri went through. There was a slight conflict with Iowa earlier on in the 19th century in which there was um, efforts to uh, define where the Missouri and Iowa border was. Um, it was defined as where the uh, Des Moines River falls, and that's a pretty broad terminology. Um, and that had to be sell settled by the court system, which redrew the line, which is now Missouri's border with Iowa. But it was a, a pretty contentious de debate at that point in time in the, in the early to mid-19th century. That conflict never came close to the scale of tension and bloodshed that took place during Bleeding Kansas. Bleeding Kansas was a conflict toward the end of the 1850s between pro-slavery and anti-slavery forces in Kansas and western Missouri. Bleeding Kansas is widely considered the prelude to the American Civil War. It still impacts the Kansas and Missouri rivalry today. Key figures that committed heinous acts of violence during the Bleeding Kansas conflict have been recast to have alternate legacies. One of the most notable examples of this is William Quantrill. He led a deadly raid of Lawrence, now the home of the University of Kansas, during the Civil War. During the mid-2000s, 
both Missouri and Kansas's football programs were striving for college football dominance. Dr. Joe Beeline, now an associate professor of American history at Penn State Erie, was a graduate student at the University of Missouri during this time. And there was actually one season where Kansas had a great football team and we had a great football team. And you would see that t-shirt with like Lawrence Burning that said like scoreboard. The hate these two fan bases have for each other was forged on the battlefield and it sets their rivalry apart. However, instances like the glorification of Quantrill, such as the t-shirt referenced earlier, have shown that the further removed from the original conflict the rivalry has become, the more revisionist history has become commonplace. The ways in which, you know, Kansans and Missourians will use history is something that makes their rivalry unique. I mean, it's something that Michigan, Ohio State, or Duke, NC, that they don't have. Um, people actually killed each other in Kansas and Missouri. Um, but it's it, it gets kind of sloppy now. That's Dr. Jeremy Neely. He's an assistant professor of history at Missouri State University. He's a historian of the Civil War era west of the Mississippi, and also a lifelong Missourian and Mizzou basketball fan. It's an example of the way that Missouri and Kansas fans alike seek to preserve their identity when they feel threatened. Another clear way in which this is manifested is in Missouri's student section at men's basketball games, and it happens every second half during a media timeout. Even when not playing Kansas, even on a night on which Kansas is not playing, Mizzou students want you to know exactly how they feel about the school to their west. Here's Dr. Matt Katz. If Kansas loses to another team, not named Missouri, that has very little, if any, effect on Missouri. If anything, maybe you could make an argument that if we were rational beings, which, you know, we can talk about that all day if you want, but if we were really perfectly rational, a Missouri fan might want Kansas to go undefeated in every other game except when they play Missouri. And that's how Missouri beating them actually has the most value right, for, for Missouri. While that does make practical sense, because as Dr. Katz mentioned, that would raise the value of a Missouri win over Kansas, or as it has been in recent past, diminish the impact of a loss to Kansas, that's not how fans and rivalries work. Take Mizzou junior Joseph Ulugbeni and his thoughts on Kansas losing just in general. That's just maximum satisfaction, to be honest. I mean, Kansas losing is there's nothing great. Here's Dr. Katz with the explanation. Obviously, fans don't, don't work that way usually, especially in rivalries, right? They don't want that rival to be successful, period. And so, um, you know, that's how these, these rivalries develop, where it is this outgroup that um, really poses a, a threat, right, to your in-group identity. And when, when that outgroup has something maybe negative happen to them, it enhances your in-group. So that's how, at least at no rivalry, we differentiate between a rival and maybe an opponent, right? Or a rival and a team you just don't like, right? Those are different things. This is especially the case now, since they have parted ways when it comes to conference alignment. Across all head-to-head -head sports, men's basketball, women's basketball, football, volleyball, soccer, softball, and baseball, the two programs have scheduled just seven regular season meetings since Missouri left the Big 12 for the SEC. At the beginning of this hiatus, they did play in the postseason, but it was never an intentional decision. This has left lots of time for those feelings to ruminate, and now a lot of fans cheer for their school and whoever is playing the rival school. 
It is important to understand what borders mean when it comes to the root of rivalry, especially in the context of this one. Here's Dr. Katz. Borders are, um, you know, pol political by by nature. Borders, you know, are very rarely these these natural, like inherent things that, um, you know, rather they're the results of, of decisions and, and processes, and um, oftentimes bad decisions, right? When you look back historically, um, often made by people who probably weren't thinking through the whole picture. The Missouri-Kansas border showdown is not the only example of a historical border conflict leading to a long-running collegiate athletics rivalry. The dispute over the Ohio-Michigan border in the Toledo War laid the foundation for a football rivalry that carries such prestige it is simply known as the game. The border dispute between Florida and Georgia had to be settled in an 1855 Supreme Court decision. It has now transformed into an annual football matchup between the Gators and the Bulldogs, two legendary football programs from the University of Florida and the University of Georgia. For the cherry on top, it's played in Jacksonville, Florida, half an hour south of the Florida-Georgia line. A 1931 conflict over a bridge spanning the Red River, which separates the states of Oklahoma and Texas, involved lawsuits and the Texas Rangers, the paramilitary group, not the baseball team. But it further intensified a rivalry that was already three decades old and continues to this day. The thing that sets the rivalry between Kansas and Missouri apart is the degree to which this conflict escalated during the period prior to the American Civil War and then continued through the development of the rivalry and reached a peak again in the 1960s. Here's Dr. Neely on the conflict between the two states once the National Civil War had begun in 1961. You know, the violence and the brutality of, of that territorial period really reaches a new depth and intensity. Uh, because now you've got large organized armies uh, joining this, uh, this guerrilla struggle. What brings Kansas and Missouri to this point, and what the future of the two states looks like for their leadership and their citizens, will be settled in a violent conflict. This conflict is rooted in the fight to eradicate slavery, and what that fight looks like for the State of the Union. It is complicated and bloody, and it leaves a lot of questions unanswered about where the blame lies. That's next time on Beyond Mr. Brightside.